Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Daily Intermission Podcast, Season 3, Episode 57. Greg in studio, JP, Justin Paul from New York. Justin, how was the weekend, my man? Hey, not as much golf. The weather wasn't as nice, but you know what? Perfect time to sit down, catch every game you can of the playoffs, so can't complain here. Hey, we, we got a lot of great things to talk about in, in the sports world, so uh, it wasn't too bad right now this time of year to be sitting inside. How was yours? Oh, man, it, it was phenomenal. I uh, went into the city and actually had a huge Saturday. Um, you know, went for <laughs> a nice run on uh, Saturday morning, played nine holes of golf, uh, went to the NLL, the National uh, Lacrosse League uh, in Halifax. Uh, two of my buddies, I'll, I'll tell you kind of the connection here. So uh, I played junior hockey and, and went did my undergrad uh, with a good friend of mine. Um, and, uh, you know, we're obviously still really close. And then uh, when I was doing my master's degree, I was best buddies with another guy. And they're both beer reps for Molson Coors in Halifax. So they didn't really know each other beforehand. Now they're great friends, and obviously I'm a mutual connection of the both of them. So whenever I go into uh, the big city of Halifax, you know, they take care of me, and uh, obviously they've got uh, some serious perks with for working with, uh, you know, Molson and Coors. And, yeah, so we were in the in the Molson Coors box for the NIL game, and then uh, we went to the sports bar, the big sports bar in Halifax, to watch the Leafs, end of the Leafs game, which we'll get into. Just an incredible finish there on Saturday night. So it was a great night. I paid for it on Sunday. Uh, but needless to say, it was a good weekend. But uh, before we get into things, Justin, the pregame show, I have to say that this episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Calling all men. It's time to mind your manholes with Manscaped. Everyone's aware by now that nose hairs are a major turnoff. That's why Manscaped upgraded their brand new Weed Whacker 2.0. With improved blades and motors, you can feel the power of those nasty nose hairs being annihilated in the palm of your hands. The improved Weed Whacker can be now be found in their Performance 4.0 package, with no additional cost. Save money and attack your nose hairs, ear hairs, by going to manscaped.com, using the code TDI for 20% off free shipping. All right, you ready to get into this, Justin? We have a lot to get into because obviously the playoffs are alive and well. We've got a lot of series coming at us each night, but we're starting things off in quarter one here in the NHL. And we'll start things off in the Carolina Hurricanes New York Islanders series. And there's been a lot of complaints. Obviously, the, the New York Islanders have a very noisy fan base. And uh, we talked about it in game two at the overtime, the, the high sticking call. Uh, but the Islanders dominate game three at home. That building was electric. They had, ended up grabbing a big win at home, but it was all Carolina in game four. That series is now tied up. You know, any pointers, anything you're, you're catching from that series? You know, I thought the Islanders were going to be, you know, more of a threat in this series, and especially yeah. too in that yeah. uh, in that pre-playoff uh, kind of episode that we did. Uh, but it's been all Hurricanes really so far. Yeah, and I mean, we like we we had the preview, and I, I took Islanders in this series. But you know what? It, it's it's the one seed in in the Metro against the Wild Cards, uh, number one seed. So you know what? We shouldn't be too surprised at this gap. But I think the big part. For me, that uh, that's surprising. I, I think it's a little bit more going forward in this playoffs than it is to analyze the last game or two of this one. Is 
the big part about the Islanders uh, beating the Carolina Hurricanes, or some people were maybe thinking that they they could push this series deep, was the injuries on Carolina. Yep. And I think what we got to look at going forward is, man, can these Hurricanes play this way against any team without these top guys in the lineup? Or is this just the Islanders aren't, aren't the team to be able to handle them no matter who's in or out? And it's a situation where we kind of overestimate them. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I got to ask you the question, like, what do we see here from from the Hurricanes in this series? That do you see something that could that you think that they could beat the the Rangers or the Devils next series when they meet them, or is this kind of just something where they're taking out a wild card team that barely got into the playoffs? But it's not all too impressive for me, and and we don't think they're getting past the next one. Or, or am I wrong there? Man, I I think the Hurricanes are a handful. I really do. And and obviously, yeah. you know, we we probably didn't give them enough credit pre series, but. I talk about that kind of that brand of hockey, and I, I always resort back to that that game versus the Leafs. I know it was a few years ago when David Ayers was in Nets, but they they just have that, yeah. and it doesn't really, and even with Shvechnikov in that lineup, and I'm not going to include Max Pacioretty in that conversation because we really didn't see mm-hmm. him in that lineup. Yeah. I think we saw, Agreed. you know, a couple weeks of him, but even without Shvechnikov, I mean, they don't have the names that jump off the page, but with the, they've got such an excellent excellent decor, and, and Auntie Ranta maybe mm-hmm. doesn't get the flowers he deserves. He was 19-3-3 and in the regular season, and just Rod Brandamore just knows how to bring those guys to war and, and they play team hockey. They know how to shut things down and not give you very much uh, offensively and just play such a structured defensive uh, style. I mean, I do like the game that they've shown so far and I do think that they could you know, compete with any team. I mean, they have all year long. They were the number two seed uh, yeah. behind the best regular season. The, uh, the Number two just overall in the NHL this year. And yeah, I mean, I, I think that, uh, you know, they obviously, you know, this series isn't done yet. You know, being up 3-1 is in a great, they're in a great position to win. I do think they'll 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 punch their ticket in the next couple games, uh, especially heading home up three one. But yeah, I do like their brand of hockey and and uh, you know they play gritty and and I know you know there's going to be a lot of arguments with the refing and, and so what. But in the end, yeah. it's three one Hurricanes, and I do believe that uh, you know whoever comes out of that uh, Devils Rangers series is is you know it's not going to be a walk in the park playing the Carolina Hurricanes. That is for sure. No, absolutely. I don't think you're too wrong. I mean, you just wonder. I mean, I, I do think the Islanders have been in these games. Like I said, I think the first two games were something they could have stolen, uh, especially game two there. So it could be a 2-2 series. But, I mean, that's playoff hockey too, being able to get the get the bounces and, and capitalize on the situation. So, yeah, you got to give Carolina credit. They're extremely well coached, like you said. So um, either way, can't wait for that next round with Carolina and whoever comes out of that New Jersey, uh, New York series. So. But I think this one's wrapped up for sure for Carolina right now. Okay, yeah, yeah. No chance for the Islanders, but we'll see. I mean, I'm excited. Maybe a hot Sorokin for a couple games, but I think yeah. I think you're right, man. All, all, all uh, indicators uh, show that uh, Carolina will be moving on. But let's move into the next series. Uh, another 3-1 series. The Boston Bruins go on the road to Florida uh, without their two top centermen. So let me ask you, Justin, how many hockey teams in the NHL can go without their 1-2 centermen and take down two road games in the NHL? I will say not very many. No, not many at all, and it's impressive. And I mean, like you said, you, you talk about the top two centermen being out, but it's like, okay, they're gone, but you got Hull here putting up four points, and he's got seven in the series. You got Pashnak, Marchand's uh, uh, looking vintage self, like always in the playoffs. So, I mean, it, it, it just they're the t- they are showing that they're still the team that they showed all regular season. Um, it's going to be something where, again, I, I just wonder, is this like, What's what's up with Bergeron? Like, like what's going on there in terms of like long term for this playoff run? Is it something where 
uh, we're going to see this the whole run? Is it something where he's going to be fully healthy at all? Like, like, what are you thinking? What are you hearing? What, what, what's your mindset with that situation? Yeah, he's not a guy I'm too worried about. I know it's an elbow injury, or from all reports, it's an elbow injury. And I think they're obviously taking precaution and, and giving him as much time as possible. Uh, but let's not forget that this guy played with five broken ribs in a, in a collapsed lung yeah. in the 2011 yeah. uh, playoff run when they won the Cup. So, I mean, this guy's tough as nails. I'm not sure what's going on with David Krejci. Uh, I, I'm hoping it's all precautionary, yeah. and we'll see you know what that lineup looks like. But all I know is that when he gets inserted back into that lineup... Hey, look out. It's like that That team yeah. plays differently with Patrice Bergeron. He is the heart and soul of that team. He kind of puts everyone in a more comfortable position, but you said it perfectly. The depth of this team is just being showcased at its highest level. I mean, Taylor Hall missed a lot of the second half of the season. He's got six points in the last two games on the road in Florida. Unbelievable. One thing I'm a little disappointed with, or one thing that kind of takes away from the atmosphere of playoff hockey is when they were in FLA Live Arena, like you go to these arenas around the league, say uh, MSG or in Toronto and in Boston, you know, you're talking about probably 98% of the fans in that building are cheering for the home team. You go to FLA yeah. Live, it, it it doesn't feel like a, a playoff atmosphere. You know what I'm saying? I mean, the, there's a lot of Boston Bruins fans there. It's almost like a 60-40 in terms of Florida Boston fans. So it did didn't feel amazing to watch, uh, but the Bruins, they just looked fantastic. And I'm curious, so Linus Allmark last night, uh, there was a bit of a scuffle up when they were up, yeah, uh, and he threw a blocker at Matthew Kachuk. I know that uh, earlier in the year, was it Bennington who threw a blocker, got a game suspension, uh, because I guess the, uh, in the rule book, if you throw a blocker punch, it is a one-game suspension. So that'll be interesting to see, uh, is Linus Allmark going to be suspended? Obviously, you know, Jeremy Swayman's going to be fantastic. Uh, regardless, he's a great young goaltender in the NHL, but that could be worth noting uh, moving forward and into the uh, you know next uh, next game at, in Boston. Is, is Allmark going to be available for the Boston Bruins? Yeah, for sure, and, and and you're right. I mean, the blocker situation—that's the big rule with the with the goalies is the blocker. A little bit with the stick stuff. So we'll have to see. Swayman will be able to get this job done either way. But just to touch back on like the depth you said, I think the big piece for people to understand with the depth of this Boston team—it's about their depth and their their talent, etc. But it's their depth's experience. Like a lot of teams that are still successful in the playoffs and regular season, they have like good young guys coming into the lineup, uh, inserting energy. Uh, being able to keep that fast pace, obviously these skaters are coming in better and better. But like, not many teams have the experience depth that that a team like this Bruins have. And and you see it on the blue line, like they they added that they have Carlo and, and Forbert and uh, McAvoy, but then they add Orlov on the blue line, and now you just you just absolutely loaded with guys who have been there, done that. In One the playoffs. So yeah, like yeah, exactly. And that that the difference that makes for me is, <clears throat> I feel like through the long run of the playoffs, these guys could all play with everyone in the NHL, the top teams. But it's when guys get hurt, it's when guys get banged up, that's where the experience and the depth shows. It's the difference between, yeah, these young guys on, on say, Toronto, et cetera, they could play against anyone on third and fourth lines. It's about can these guys step up into a line two or a line one role in the conference finals because someone goes down. And that's what Boston has that not many teams do. So, yeah, I mean, hey, it, the president's uh, president's winners thing is still looming around, and we got a lot of playoffs to go. But I think that I think it's safe to say I think you'd agree, round one taken care of. No. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that this yeah. thing gets wrapped up uh, in Boston uh, on Tuesday night. So uh, we'll see, though. And, and they look fantastic, obviously, being a Bruins fan. And obviously, that that narrative that we're bringing is, 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 is a tad biased due to the fact that I'm a Boston fan. But I'm enjoying what I'm seeing. Uh, and like I said, I mean, you know, what a testament to the depth. Being down your two top centermen, you go around the league. 
And I know that they might be, they may not be the biggest superstars that they were, at, you know, at one point during their careers. But, yep. you know, if you're without one, two in the center, I mean, how many teams are going to get it done twice on the road? Not many. All right, let's move into the Toronto Maple Leafs Tampa Bay Lightning series. And what a treat this was on Saturday night. What a game this was. Uh, back and forth, just a bunch of, you know, fights. Matthews gets his first career fight, which. I'll, I'll throw an asterisk on that. Not much of a fight. I mean, it was more anyway. That well, we can get into that as well. But uh, late in the game, they pull the goalie. Uh, Ryan O'Reilly ties the game up, goes to overtime. Morgan Riley with a cheeky little short side snipe off the faceoff. The Leafs take game three, which is just a huge win. Um, you know what did you take away from Saturday night? What an incredible game that was. Yeah, so first things first, uh, you mentioned the O'Reilly goal at the end of the game. Um, And you know what? Just the O'Reilly game. He had three points last game. He's got uh, five points in three games in the series. And I said it last time on the pod, and it showed again. Like, this is what they were looking for the last three years. And I have have a little bit of an issue with, again, not with Leafs haters to a degree. I went in maybe a little bit on Leafs fans last pod. This one's Leafs haters. Like, I have these conversations about, uh, least curse to a degree in the first round. That's no secret. Everyone knows that in the NHL. And they keep talking about, yeah, but some some teams or some cores just aren't built to win the first round. This Leafs team that lost around once have lost to top two teams in the playoffs every year. It's the divisional setup. It's how it goes. You, they play Tampa or Boston around one. They can't control that because it's how the division goes. It's not one through eight anymore. Like, But they've added pieces at the deadline that haven't worked out. And that's not on the that's not on that core of Matthews, Marner, Tavares, uh, O'Reilly, etc. Like they added a piece at the deadline that is becoming or has become a top two player for them, a leader for them, um, a guy who's willing to do the gritty playoff work. Uh, he's laying down to block a shot at the end of the period. Guy's got no visor on his helmet. He don't care. Like that's the that's the kind of piece they added, and it's working out phenomenally for them. I have trouble just sitting on what's happened in the past um, with this Leafs team because, man, like they've shown they've shown that that Ryan O'Reilly might be that little piece of um, grit uh, and playoff experience that they needed because he's humming right now and he's a big part of of the success of playing a team like Tampa who's got all that experience and who's been there and done that. So like, I I think that. The, I think that this Leafs seems different, man. Again, I, I know we're 2-2 and we're going back to Toronto, but I think they might be for real. I really do. And when I say for real, I'm not saying cup, but um, they're going to make noise. I, I really think so. Yeah, man. I mean, I think as you travel on in the playoffs and what we've seen from the past, I mean, your odds just get better and better to win the cup. I mean, there's I mean, you're yeah. there, there's less of a major favorite and it's like you got to battle out a seven game war and really, you know, it's it is a, you know, a bit of a coin flip once you get, you know, down to it and once you, you know, kind of continue on in these rounds. But like you said, I mean, I do feel the same way. I feel like the the Leafs just feel a little bit differently this year. Uh, you know, that Ryan O'Reilly addition has just been so fantastic and and that's different in the past. I mean, we think about the additions that they've made in the past like Nick Foligno you know is a guy that they brought in a few years ago but he hadn't won a cup he didn't win a Smythe trophy no. you know he hadn't been there and done it Ryan O'Reilly has and uh you know we think about Noel Achari he's been on runs with the Boston Bruins in the past and you know it just feels like this team is a bit different and and uh you know to win that game and Kyle Dubas yelling at the Tampa Bay fans from the press box <laughs> Things just feel a little different for this team. And obviously, we'll see tonight. Tonight will be a major indicator if they're willing to bury the Tampa Bay Lightning 
or if they're going to yeah. let them hang around and make a best of two out of three series. So tonight will be very telling for the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is a big, big game. If they can come out and yeah. make a statement, get on the board early, get rough and tough with them, get you know get people involved, you know take take the uh, Tampa Bay's life right out of them because they have the opportunity mm-hmm. to do that yeah. tonight. And in the past. This is where they let teams hang around and make things a little bit longer series than it should be. So this is a real opportunity tonight for the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, to really make a statement. And wouldn't that Toronto-Boston series just give every hockey fan what they need this time of year? Uh, Absolutely, I, I couldn't wait for that. But we got—I think we got to mention it quick. But that, that hit on point. I mean, yes, let's get I know into that, it. That was everywhere. That was everywhere on Twitter and everything. And obviously, the Leafs fan base uh, um, uh, had their opinion, and Tampa fan base uh, was obviously on the other side. That like. Again, I made a quick video of it. I know you saw like, yep. what did you think of it? Obviously of the hit, I, I know what I felt of it, but I just wanted to get, what was your gut reaction maybe? And then what do you, what do you, where do you stand now? I didn't think it was that bad. Uh, to be honest with you, it felt like that uh, point, maybe caught an edge uh, going into the corner. Obviously they yeah. braced with contact and I don't think Riley was malicious, uh, you know, with the contact, he was just kind of bracing for the boards. And I think it was just a little bit of bad luck by Braden point by catching an edge, kind of dropping yeah. to a knee. And then obviously, you know, both going at high speed. Uh, I like your point that I think, potentially boarding could have been the call there. Um, you know, they, none of them, they were going for the puck. So, uh, you know, there was a bit of contact there, potentially interference, but yeah, I think, uh, I think you're right. I don't think there was malicious. And obviously, you know, when a player of that caliber for a team, uh, you know, takes a, you know, takes a yeah. hit that is a potentially a penalty, especially a team like Tampa Bay, they're going to respond in the way they did. And uh, I was a little disappointed with Steven Samkos. I mean, you got Matthews who we know is uh, a little bit on the softer end yeah. of things. I mean, he has never fought in the NHL. He's picking up sticks and then yeah. Stamkos, goes over, grabs him, and starts suckering him with left hands. I don't love that uh, from a guy like Steven Stamkos, yep. but obviously, you know, Matthews, you know, did his thing and and uh, kept his gloves on and scratched at him like a cat, so uh, nice to see from a guy like Austin Matthews to chalk it up as your first career fight. Uh, but, uh, no, all in all, man, uh, I, I don't think there was anything, there was no malicious intent behind the hit, uh, but Morgan Riley, a guy, what a huge series that guy's having, and he was a he was a you know a punching bag for Leafs fans all season long. Uh, you know, really hasn't been himself, it seems like, for a long time. But is he ever playing well? And, and he's stepping up in this first round. It's nice to see. It's refreshing to see. And I'm not a Leafs fan by any means. I'm actually the opposite. You know, I've been a Leafs hater for yeah. a long time. But it is refreshing to see a team that you've expected to be at the position <clears throat> they're at for so many years, you know, kind of getting it done. But again, it all comes down to tonight. Can they get it done yeah. and really, uh, you know, put the nail in the coffin? Yeah, no, I agree. Like I said, the the point hit was something where I, I, it looked a lot worse than it was. Um, crazy, I think just crazy overall that Leafs come out of there with a power play. Not that that's the wrong call. I know the flow of the game that was yeah, just yeah. nuts. That after all that to come out of the power play, but um, no, I, I completely agree. I was we were watching the game here. We had like nine or ten of us uh, watching the game, and I said, as soon as that hit happened, I go, "Ot one is going to be Riley a point." Ended up being Riley tipped in from point on his own net. So you, you can't <laughs> write it any uh, any other way, but. No, we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree with uh, with everything you had there. So, uh, yeah, the game in Toronto—that's uh, the big one. I think th- I think they get it done. I think that's that's my prediction for t- uh, for this game is at least win it. But uh, you never know, I guess. So we'll see. I'm with you, and I and I feel as if this one may not even be a close one. I think the Leafs could dominate tonight. Uh, yeah. You know, win a, a four-five-two yeah. game here. Uh, but let's let's go to the final yeah. series here in the Eastern Conference. We have got the New Jersey Devils, and the New York Rangers. Obviously, the Rangers put a beating on the Devils in, in the first two games on the road, winning both five-one. But 
The New Jersey Devils step up in game three. Dougie Hamilton gets the OT winner. A massive win for the Devils. Just what a what a just a jolt of confidence to put into that group, that young team that hasn't been there. And a lot of people, a lot of the media, even us, you know, we were all over the Rangers going, this yep. team looks for real. But the Devils say, wait a minute. You know, we can hang around in this series. They get that huge win at MSG. Is there any chance that the uh, the Devils can uh, can win again tonight and get right back in this thing? So um, I, I gotta I gotta lean that there is a chance, and it, it's only from one guy and one decision made by by uh, Lindy Ruff there. Schmied, Schmied in the net, man. Like this is for real. I again, we have some I have some guys here around me that big goaltending advanced stats. We got the goalies on our team that follow it like crazy for their own stuff, and they were all over Schmied all regular season. Uh, they're big on him as soon as he got announced coming in, and. This is a guy with a 2.13 in the regular season, a .922. Like, and he goes out there, and he has 35 saves on 36 shots, and he shuts down this Rangers offense. And how can I sit here and say that the Devils are out of it down one game? Um, I know I look maybe a little bit of a pie on my face after <laughs> calling this series done before, but they did, they weren't going with Schmidt beforehand, and I think that was a big part of it. And now we sit here. They got to pull off one more win in, in, in New York. And a few things that make that a factor that I think they get it done is they've had a little bit of playoff uh, experience here. Nerves are settled. They're in game. They they're in game four going in, like into New York. So they've they've, they've settled the nerves. They have taken a few licks here by by the Rangers. They're like, okay, you know what? We're in a no lose situation now. We're down two zero, and we're just in a spot to maybe pull off a comeback. If not, everyone wrote us off anyways. They got a little bit of swagger now. Dougie Hamilton with the OT winner. And this team was legit through the regular season and played with this Rangers team through the regular season. Like, I can't say that um, they're out there. I mean, again, we say they're out of the series. It's whether or not they win the next game. That, that's what we're talking about. And all we're really talking about is who's your pick for, for, for game four. And you know what? Like, I'm, I might ride Schmid in the hot hand. Like, we've seen this with Matt Murray's in, in Pittsburgh. Like, Halak with Montreal, we talk about, like, I, we've seen it too many times, and the reason I'm okay with doing it is because the Devils' roster in front of him is legit. You know what I mean? Like I'm not taking, I'm not doing this with say um, Florida against Boston or Islanders or whatever. Like this is a team that absolutely could beat this Rangers team. I, I'm, I'm gonna say that th- this series is far from over. I mean, it's gonna, it, it still went to OT, but um, I don't know. Do you feel the same way? Do you I, like that? This Schmied kid, man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I was on the Devils pre pre uh, pre series, yeah. so yeah. I'm happy to see that I'm not looking like a complete idiot. But yeah, I love the <laughs> goaltending change, and and I mean, this is like you said, like what a what meaningful hockey we have tonight. And not not saying that not every game is meaningful, but I mean, these are two almost series deciding games tonight in in the Leafs yeah. and, and, and Lightning series. I mean, uh, you know, both teams have the opportunity to to put the nail in the coffin or at least put the teams on the ropes uh, with the Rangers and, and Leafs. But, you know, you can get two teams right back in these things if, if the Lightning and Devils can win. Yeah. So those are going to be super exciting games to watch. I'm fired up for it. Let's move out west, uh, yeah. Justin, because the Minnesota Wild and Dallas Stars... They're all notched up. The Wild go home, absolutely buzz during game three, get the win, uh, 5-1, and then Dallas last night responds. Uh, so this game is looking like it's probably going to go seven games. Um, you know, big yep. response last night from the to the Stars to win 3-2 on the road, but they're heading back to Dallas tied. Um, 
thankfully the the wild have gone back to philip gustafson still not really a, uh you know uh, n- i'm not sure what uh, yeah. was going through their heads uh in game two and hopefully that's not uh you know a narrative come um you know uh you know at the end of the series because if we look back and think okay well if they would have mm-hmm. went with gustafson in game two who knows if they could have got that 2-0 you know serious lead heading home could be a completely different series and I completely agree. I mean, you got to go. Gusman's going the rest of the way. If, yeah. if that's not the case, I mean, it would just be absolutely lunacy. But um, this is a goalie war. And it's a, it's crazy to say that when we're talking about goalie controversy in Minnesota. But when Gustafson and Nepp, this is a goaltending battle. And it's it's going to be tough to predict going forward. Like, I I, really, I can't say I'm leaning either way. I, I don't know if you can. Because I look at two things for me I'm, as I'm trying to pick a side here. Like, Okay, Sagan gets two goals. Great to have a piece like that going. That's experience that you need uh, to get hot. And as much as he has been showing his age in the regular season, he's not leading the league in points, etc. Like th- those are guys that have experience that can score big goals throughout a, a playoff run, no matter what their age is. So that's huge for me that Sagan's going. And then Rope Hints has eight points through four games, which allows guys like Jason Robertson, who really is the offensive engine of this team, to get going. The fact that Rope hints is buzzing and, and you're, you're in a 2-2 series and Jason Robinson could still absolutely go off, like, that's huge. But then I look the other side and I say to myself, okay, well, we're in a 2-2 series, but they started flurry, so there goes the game. And Kaprizov's got one point in four games. Like, for me, I worry that Wild have themselves in a tie series when they're not playing their best hockey. So for me, that's a big part of it. And then we got to talk about it. What do you think? The penalty on uh, uh, Felino there late. Uh, gave Dallas the power plays. Like, you don't have to talk about this game alone. Like, what do you think of the refing? Like, what, what, it's it's become so prevalent in so many games, and it's always going to be like that in the playoffs. But like, it just there's something with NHL hockey and refereeing that just don't seem to go well uh, uh, every year. Yeah, I'm kind of see. I talked about this a lot about this uh, during the Super Bowl and after the Super Bowl. You know, I'm a I'm a big proponent that you know when we get into the the NHL playoffs and um, you know the NBA playoffs and and the NFL playoffs, you know we want these referees to be as hands off as possible. We want these games to be played out five on five and let the best team win Uh, because the refs, you know, if you're making penalty calls and if you're making, if you're throwing flags and and if you're making, you know, foul calls, you can, you can dictate a lot of of the play and and really, you know, take teams out of rhythm, put teams on the kill. And, you know, I think back to that flag on, on uh, Bradbury during the Super Bowl, like, are you calling that, you know, anyway, it's just, it, it really puts, uh, the, the refs hands on into the game and, and I hate to see it and, and you've seen it across all the series I mean the refs I would rather just call things that are very malicious things that have maybe you're going to dictate the play but yeah when you're calling these chintzy penalties that you know are kind of 50 50 calls I hate it and I hate uh, that they're doing it um but yeah I mean you, you they've been I mean it's been it's been controversy I mean in the next series we get into to talk about the Edmonton uh, the Edmonton series I mean you know going into both overtimes uh before uh, you know in, in game um 2 and 3 you know on the penalty kill I mean it's just tough to see you know you want to you want these penalties to be extremely malicious and and definitely to be earned uh but when you're calling these chintzy penalties that are kind of like mm, I'm not sure if that was you're putting too much uh you know hands on in the game so uh, you know, going back to the final penalty, I'm not calling that, but you know what? It, uh, it is what it is. I mean, it, you, you kind of, 
you kind of have yeah. to uh you gotta yeah. you gotta you know you gotta you know roll with the punches and and uh but yeah like i said i'm, I'm more of a proponent to put the whistles away and, and if it's a malicious call call it but if not then let the boys play <clears throat> no i completely agree and and, you, and you, like especially in a series like i said with this one like they're low scoring affairs they're absolute wars you just you know what the, the, those two teams want to play a gritty hard game you got to call the, the penalty when it's there if it's obviously a, a point blank but like Hey, I mean, going forward, obviously, we hope it's going to be better. But, I mean, the power, like we'll talk about the next series. I mean, we're getting right into it. But, like, the power plays are so good for, for every team in the playoffs now that it's not like you're calling a penalty in the regular season where, yeah, like it, it could be a bottom team and the games yeah. don't mean as much. It's just so imperative. But, uh, yeah, here's what it is. 2-2 two, two series. Absolute war. And I think we both had it going seven or six. So, uh, no surprise there. So, Speaking of another war, the Edmonton Oilers and Los Angeles yeah. Kings have been an absolute war. Um, controversially, obviously, uh, in game three, uh, the, um, the Kings get it done in overtime. Uh, Gabriel Velarde was at high stick. Who knows? Uh, but another overtime game and then down three, nothing in game four. I mean, I'm going to bed going this, this, this thing might be over. Like I am going to look like a complete idiot for picking Edmonton, but I woke up this morning in, they battled back a huge second period. And uh, obviously, to get it in overtime, Zach Hyman, the hero, uh, Edmonton, going back home, tied 2-2, probably feeling pretty good about themselves. But this is just an absolute war out there. Uh, been phenomenal. Leon Dreisaitl, I mean, this guy is the playoff king right now. Just having an incredible series. David with three assists. I mean, I, I'm hoping Edmonton gets this done because I want to see them go on and I want to see what these guys can do in the second round series. But, I mean, what a series we have going here, Justin. Yeah, unbelievable. I got quite a bit here, so we're going to have some back and forth uh, talking through this series. But yeah, to yeah. start off, I, I completely agree with the dry saddle. I mean, nine points, uh, and we're four games into the series. Like, this is unbelievable. I mean, but for me, because we could talk about Jad all day, and we have, so moving forward on, on a guy that, for me, has been an X factor for this Oilers team, um, obviously outside McDavid and Bouchard. Bouchard has seven points in this series, five in the last two games. He's an absolute mastermind on the power play. I mean, I know he's got a great power play around him, but I feel like he gets probably the most touches out of anyone on that on that power play. And he's got Jared McDavid on it. Like, he is a huge part of this team. Absolute rocket. Of a absolute shot. Absolute rocket of a shot. It's unbelievable. Like, he is a huge, huge factor in the sense of what reminds me of John Carlson on Washington, where people talk about Backstrom, Obviously, Ovechkin on the one tee, um, Oshies, etc. But then you just, if you have this absolute stud on the blue line at the top of the power play, how do you defend that? Like, that's what this team has, and they found it with Bouchard. So he's absolutely imperative to me. He's been unbelievable. But on the flip side, as I talk about Bouchard, Atcombe's been great as well. Darnell Nurse and DeHarnay, are you absolutely kidding me? The first, the first period, the three goals against... This was unbelievable. I, I don't know how they stepped on the ice the rest of the game. This, these goals were so – they were so lost. I couldn't believe what I was watching. DeHarnay is is massive. Takes up a lot of ice. Other than that, I don't know what is it, is the reasoning for all of his ice time. Because these Kings goals, they had some great shots, etc. but they were all absolute lapses from Nurse and DeHarnay giving them up. And it, it, for me, like, I just didn't see what DeHarnay and Nurse brought to the game uh, on the positive side, even after that, when they ended up coming back and winning. But, 
man, like they again, there's getting there's getting scored on, and then there's absolutely looking lost and creating a goal. But um, yeah, it was unbelievable. Man, what this? I'll, I've got a few things to comment here, so we'll we'll move back to the to the Evan Bouchard. I mean, he looks absolutely incredible, and I yeah. think that trading Tyson Berry at the deadline kind of gives that guy a little bit more confidence mm-hmm. because now you don't have another right-handed defenseman in the lineup who is another offensive guy who's running the power play. Now it's on you. And now you've got a guy yeah. that you can play with in Matthias Ekholm who's just so sound defensively, can really be your rock, let you free up a little bit. Man, it's been such a great addition. Those two look fantastic. And then Darnell Nurse. I mean, I'm going to come out and say this. Darnell Nurse is probably the most overpaid player in the NHL. I mean, making $9.5 million, I mean, this is just absolutely ridiculous. And this guy, I mean, he's just, he's, a liability at times he makes some stupid decisions defensively and yeah and he needs to step up I mean there's just there's just no two ways around it you've got to be better especially too when you're making that type of money and you're expected to be such a rock uh, on that blue line for the Edmonton Oilers Uh, I do think the Oilers win this series uh, but yeah they need they need just just a more collective effort defensively to get through this because you're not worried about the offense you're not worried about getting things done up front you got to hold things down in the, uh, you know, especially in front of Stuart Skinner, and you know you need more than yeah. just Bouchard and, and Ekholm doing it. So, uh, I'm excited, man. This is an incredible series, uh, but uh, but yeah, I'm all over Edmonton to get this done. I'm still, I'm not wavering in my pick there. I think they get this done at home, and um, they either get it done in LA or they get it done in seven. How you feeling about that? Yeah, I got I got two or three things here that that just make me a little hesitant. And I'm on Oilers, and I want Oilers to win probably more than any team in the playoffs left. Um, in terms of winning round one. First things first is Jack Campbell. And the word described for Jack Campbell is that he looks like a road hockey goalie. And that's what was being talked about here watching these games. Like, this guy's everywhere. And you can't feel confident. I, I just, you could not feel confident when he came in the net. He's had a bad regular season, to, is an understatement. But he just plays a game that is just so flying everywhere that. Like you just mentioned, the offense is going to be there for the Oilers. All you need is to be sound, keep the puck out of your net, and they're so far from it. Like if Stuart, Stuart Skinner was a massive piece of like, okay, we have a competent goalie, you could trust the Oilers here. It's it's not the case now that we have Campbell or Skinner, we don't know who's going. Like if I'm the coach, I'm going back to Skinner. I, I, I really am. I know he got pulled, but it, I think it's a situation where, okay, we took you out, you watched the rest of the game, they came back, but we're going to give you another chance to settle back in. That's first things first. The second thing for me is it feels like there's more to be desired from the likes of Nugent Hopkins, Hyman, who scored the game, the goal late, um, and then the depth below this roster. Like, Evander Kane, Drysaddle, and McDavid, five on five, have really been one the only three guys that are creating grade A opportunities. The first two periods, there was nothing from the Oilers that looked like they could score four goals on Corpus Allo. So until those guys five on five start producing at a high, higher clip and, and, and take the tempo up a notch, it's going to be tough to say that the Oilers are going to easily win, but I, I'm leaning that way. And the final thing is that the Oilers are so dependent on the power play. Like, that is concerning. As much as, like, we can look at this game, they came back uh, um, and they wanted it overtime. That's great. Now we're 2-2. We're going back to Edmonton. Happy-go-lucky. Oilers got this thing. They are so dependent on that power play that – one, if they get stopped on the power play, still not scoring five on five, we're in trouble. If, say, L.A. Kings figure out figure it out on, on the PK. The second thing is if L.A. just don't take penalties late or in overtime, again, we're in trouble. The, I'm almost certain that Oilers were the number one power play ever this year, yep. but Kings were number two or three. 
So I, I'm going to lean that the X factor of this series going forward here is what team takes less penalties. That's what I think is going to come down to. So those are a couple things that are concerning to me, but um, I, again, I, I think Edmonton has enough to get done. I, I really do. And I, I think this was a massive win going back to uh, uh, Edmonton. So, uh, we'll, yeah, we'll have to see moving forward. But I'm, I'm going to take Edmonton, and I'm going to take them in six. I think they win it in Edmonton, and I think they go in L.A. and they get the job done. That's my prediction. Yeah, I think I have to think that these guys are riding high. You know, spotting a team on yep. the road, down 2-1 in the series, spotting them three goals, and then coming back and winning. I mean, that, that's got to put a nice jolt Absolutely. into the locker room. And, yeah, hopefully they can figure things out in between the pipes and to see who they go with. And, uh, I mean, obviously the Kings have the upper edge in between the pipes, but... Excited to uh, excited to see how that series goes. Let's move into the uh, Colorado Avalanche Seattle Kraken. Seattle comes out absolutely flying. Obviously, we know that this series was tied heading to Seattle, and they get the first goal, and that building is rocking and rolling. The Avs end up getting it done though in Game Three, end up winning six four. It's been the big guns for Colorado: the Ranton and the McKinnon, the McCarr show in, in Game Three. Um, I don't think the Kraken can win this series. But they are proving a lot of hockey fans that these guys deserve to be there and that they could potentially get it yeah. done. So, I mean, I, I'm feeling Avalanche, and I still think the Avalanche could get this done in, in, in five or six. But these aren't the Colorado Avalanche of, of 2022. Um, and uh, you know what? It's it's been, a, it's been a great series. It's been fun hockey to watch. Uh, what are you thinking in this one, Justin? No, I completely agree. I, I There's not much... Not much here for me. I mean, Avalanche are the better side. I mean, th- this the Seattle team was a team that um, we pegged that could get a game, maybe two games, and I think we were both a little bit hesitant on, this, on them getting two games. But um, honestly, good for them. Like, this is a good showing. The last thing you wanted to do as Seattle was make your first playoffs, make that noise. People are obviously high on you, like happy for you, first, first playoff appearance as a franchise, and then go out there and get swept or get cranked every game. And, and you know what I mean? So – um, yeah, you can't be upset with Seattle. They're keeping these games uh, a little bit close. I mean, the last one a little bit got away, um, letting in six. But every other game's been kind of right there, and, and and it hasn't been something where anyone's saying, "Oh, Seattle's garbage." How they get in? So, like, yeah, good showing. I think obviously a lot of positives for the Seattle team moving forward. I mean, um, the series isn't done, I suppose, obviously, but um, I think this is something where this Avs team needs to get it done as soon as possible. I feel like with the with the injuries they have, obviously like Landis Gog and stuff, and Makar was dealing with injuries right through the regular season. You want to get this done ASAP and have that rest. Again, th- those are things that sometimes get overlooked uh, uh, in these series for casual casual viewers. But man, you get a series done in four or five, and you're playing a team that went six or seven. Uh, that's a major advantage. And the, and the winner of this series, um, I believe, is getting is it is it Vegas and. No, it's uh, Dallas and Wild, and we just talked about that series going the distance and how much of a war it is. So, yeah. um, for me, uh, Avs winning round two is big on getting this series done ASAP, and I think they could do that. Yeah, I agree. And it is worth noting, too, Valerie Nikushkin, uh, Nikushkin has uh, has left the team uh, for personal reasons, and he's another big, strong forward who who has played very well for the uh, Colorado Avalanche. Guys had a roller coaster yeah. of the last few years. I mean, even leaving the league, going to the KHL for a season, but you know, he's been he's been fantastic. So uh, hopefully they can get him back soon. And then finally, the Winnipeg Jets versus the Vegas Golden Knights. I mean, you want to talk about an unbelievable hockey game leading into the Leafs and Lightning on Saturday night. We got the Winnipeg Jets and Golden Knights. The Knights up 4-1 in the third period. The Jets battle back, make it a 4-3 game, pull the goaltender, 
score. Unbelievable. It was just an incredible, incredible moment for uh, for the building in, in Winnipeg. But it all means nothing if you can't get it done on overtime, which they couldn't. It goes to double overtime. Michael Amadio, a guy, just a bit of a no-name on the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. He's kind of bounced around the league a little bit, uh, scores for them in double overtime. They go back tonight to Winnipeg. Vegas up 2-1. This is a fantastic series, man. And I think regardless of the outcome in that, I think the Jets do get a little bit of a little bit of uh, you know, confidence from that. Obviously, you don't you don't win the game, but anytime you climb out of a huge deficit like that in the playoffs, I think you I think the belief uh is there. You know, being down a couple, yep. being down the first goal, I think you still that still keeps the belief in the group. Um a massive game. We've got three huge hockey games tonight, yeah. and this is the third. Uh, so I, I'm excited for this one, uh, Justin. Do you have? Are you leaning any way in terms? Of, I, it, this is a must win for Winnipeg. Obviously at home. Yeah. Uh, I hope they. Uh, I hope they can get it done because I do want this series to go uh, the distance. But uh, what are you thinking here? Yeah, I'm leaning Vegas, and it's one reason I think we have to talk about is is Morrissey's out for the series. Josh Morrissey's out for the series. He's a top three Nor- Norris defenseman finalist this year. Um, absolute X factor for them. He's definitely the leader of that group uh, on the back end. That's a tough blow. And and the reason I think it's so big is that the advantage that the Jets have in this series is goaltending and keeping the puck out of the net with the Hellebuck, obviously with Thompson hurt for Vegas, so they're playing their third with Brossois. But when you lose your best D-man, does that kind of even it out a little bit more? Like for me, I mean, I think Vegas is a better offense. So when you're losing such a big piece on the blue line, that's tough for me, and they're up in the series. So for me, that's 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 where I lean Vegas. I think Eichel's humming. He had two goals and assists, so that's huge for for, for uh, um, getting a guy that's so talented uh, uh, into this series in such a big way. Uh, it's going to be tough for me to say that I think the Jets can can take the series over. Um, do they maybe win the next game and and, and tie the series up possibly? But even then, I really do think that this is going to be Vegas in the end because of that Norris injury. That, that's such a big that's such a big injury for uh, for the Jets to uh, have at this time of the year. It's massive. Yeah, it could be a critical loss yeah. for sure. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, Neil Pionk uh, will be uh, will be yeah. kind of the guy taking the uh, taking the brunt of the the offense and the puck handling yeah. on the defensive course. So we'll see how that how that goes for them. Uh, but. Exciting hockey. It's been fantastic. Obviously, we'll come Friday with some updates on those series, but it's going to be just incredible viewership uh, through this week as well in the first rounds of the NHL. But let's move into quarter two here, Justin. We've got some NBA basketball to talk about. We'll start things off in the Eastern Conference with the 76ers really not really having too much trouble with the Brooklyn Nets. And I think that that was a nice matchup for them to draw in the first round. Uh, just completely out-talented them. Um, you know, they uh, they now await the winner of the Boston-Atlanta series. Um I got a few things here. So obviously we know it was a sweep, but should Joel Embiid have been kicked out of game three? I'm not sure if you saw the highlight. Nick Claxton's kind of, you know, over top of him. Joel Embiid, it looks like he kind of takes a swipe at his family jewels, kind of gives him a kick and gets a flagrant. No, he doesn't get ejected from the game. Uh, how'd you feel about that play? I mean, it wasn't really much of a series, uh, but uh, how you feeling about the, uh, the Sixers sweep over the Nets? Yeah, just quickly on Embiid, and, and it kind of goes to Draymond too. I, I have trouble with these uh, NBA guys making plays like that, maybe some cheap shots, dirty play. Like, you don't play a game that's particularly that fast, that's hard to analyze video replay 100%. in slow motion, et cetera. Like, these guys, I feel like they're trying to get away with stuff where it's like, 
man, we could like, this is very easy to break down what happened. You're not playing hockey where it's a hundred miles an hour or NFL where uh, collisions happen a split second, et cetera. Like this is a pretty simple thing to, to figure out. But in terms of the series, Telling for me that they won that last game without Embiid, who obviously sat out. He was resting his uh, uh, his knee there. So that, that for me, is telling. Um, you like to see that, that they're not that reliant on Embiid. I know it's just the Nets, and they're going to play, play uh, the Celtics here in round two, and you can't – obviously, it's not going to be the same case. But, um, yeah, not much more to say. I mean, this is a team that should have swept them. So, I, obviously, if you're on the 76ers in this playoff run, you, you love to see it. And um, I just said it with, with the Avalanche. Getting that, getting that done in a sweep, having time to rest, especially with these NBA guys and all the injuries they have all the time, this is huge. This is huge. And um, Embiid's had injuries going forward uh, in playoffs in the past. Sorry, So going forward, this is massive for him. So well, uh, I'm sure we'll get into a breakdown of the 76ers-Celtics series uh, when, when that time comes, but uh, not much more to say. Got the job done, and, and they should have. Tyrese Maxey. That guy doesn't get enough love, man. Phenomenal. Phenomenal for the 76ers. A uh, couple 30 pieces during the during the series has been phenomenal. Uh, let's move on to the Celtics-Hawks uh, series. Obviously, in Game 3, the Celtics couldn't get it done uh, in sweeping fashion, so they do get Game 4 done. I mean, it was the Jalen Brown-Jason uh, Tatum show in Game 4. Uh, it was the Trey Young and DeJointe Murray show in Game 3. I mean, both of the superstars mm-hmm. uh, for both of those teams are playing very high-level basketball, but it's going to be interesting. At the end of Game 4, uh, DeJointe Murray kind of bumps into the ref. He's screaming something at him, so is there going to be some some discipline uh, on DeJointe Murray? Are, they gonna, are the Hawks going to be going to Boston for Game 5 without their kind of second Superstar, we'll see, uh, but I do think the Celtics get this done at home to uh, in five games, and and like was said, I think we'll be uh, we'll be kind of previewing the Boston Celtics 76ers uh, in, in a few days time. Yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, when you have Trey Young scoring thirty five, getting fifteen assists, and you're losing games, I mean that just shows the talent on the Celtics. I mean, thirty one points each from Tatum and Brown is ridiculous. Uh, Williams in the middle, maybe one of the more underrated players in this playoffs. 13 points, 15 rebounds. Uh, great defensively. He's an anchor uh, down the middle for them. Like, he's underrated. And this Celtics team's for real. I, I know that's not a surprise to many people. So, um, they should get it done in five. I think it'd be, it'd be frustrating to not get it done in five again with that rest factor. But, they seem to be a lot healthier and they've been able to play through uh, uh, some of that thing. So I don't think it's too big of a deal, but um, yeah, this is again, just better team winning around one. Are Boston sports fans, are Boston sports fans, the most spoiled sports fans in the entirety (laughs) of North American professional sports? I would have to argue probably. I mean, I I think absolutely. Right. I mean, it's it's been, especially, especially in the last, what, 20, 25 years. It's unbelievable. It's outrageous. It's unbelievable. It's outrageous. I know it's, it's, you just, yeah, you just finished having the 08 win for the Celtics yeah. with Pierce, Garnett, et cetera. And the, the, the amount of teams and franchises, me as a Sabres fan, would dream to what, 10 years later, you're, you're, or 13 years later, you're already the number one contender for the championship. It's unbelievable. Yeah. You got. Uh, nine Super Bowl appearances for the for the Patriots, six championships. You got three Stanley Cup uh, appearances for the Boston Bruins, a championship. I mean, the Red Sox have won in that time frame. I think three championships, uh, maybe two. And I know eighteen, and the, then 
Sorry, go ahead. The Bruins just set the Bruins just set the regular season record while you're self while the Celtics are the favorite for the NBA. Like, like what are we talking? It's unbelievable. It's outrageous. It's so outrageous. <laughs> uh, but moving into the Milwaukee Bucks Miami Heat series, uh, obviously yeah. uh, we saw that the depth of Milwaukee Bucks kept them in the series here. Win game two, they go down to Miami and pretty much get dusted uh, in, in game three. So we got the Miami Heat, obviously in surprising fashion, up to one. Giannis Akatatumbo. Just a butchering of the pronunciation there. Uh, he is he's been injured in game two and three. He's a game time decision for game four. But obviously, this Milwaukee Bucks, they're just nowhere near the team they are, they uh, they can be without Giannis. So uh, I'm just thinking, if he returns, Milwaukee takes care of it. If he still remains out, they are in some hot water here because if Mil- if Miami goes up three one. This uh this is going to be tough for uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks on the ropes and like you said last episode, if Giannis comes back at you know seventy percent, is he the same as as is a hundred percent? Because obviously there's a lot of yeah. question marks around you know where he sits and, and what you know how his injury how he's dealing with his injury. But uh, you know surprising right now that the, the Heat are up two one and and uh, Milwaukee's in a little bit of trouble here. And here's the question I have for for you with this with Giannis injury. Um, so you got a guy doubtful. Uh, like through the series, he's obviously missed two games. You're down two one in the series, Kev. With the ability Giannis has stepping back into this game at 100, percent do you feel like you could win down three one? Yes or no? 100, percent you could. Yeah, you okay. could for sure. So, so my my question goes: He he must is he close to returning to the point that they said you're not going to play next game because we know if you're you. You're supposed to be back in, say, a week. Um, we might be down 3-1. We might be tied 2-2, what have you. We could win three straight games against this Heat team if need be. Do we think that's a possibility possibility of where he is with his injury? Or do we think this is something where if he plays again here, he's playing through something he normally wouldn't? Yeah, I I think if I'm if I'm the the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm gonna sit I'm gonna sit him out for Game Four. I know he's a game time decision, but I'm sitting him out because we did see in Game Two that you can get Middleton hot, that Brook Lopez can play at a high level, that Bobby Portis can come off the bench and show some stuff. So I do think that this Bucks team can win without Giannis. Obviously, it the the odds aren't likely, but they can. We've seen it. So I would hold him out one more, and then if they're on the brink. Then Giannis gets, you know, a few more days rest, a few more days to recover. You know, obviously this is the world-class recovery when we're talking about professional sports. So, you know, whatever he needs to do to get ready for, you know, you know, three games in a row where you're going to be on the ropes, I do think that uh, that they, they should hold him out. But we'll see. We'll see how they feel. Uh, that'll be interesting tonight. But obviously the, uh, the Miami Heat up 2-1. Uh, just finally here, uh, Justin looking like a genius here was all over the Knicks. I was on the Cavs. The Knicks up 3-1. Um, the stars of Cleveland. I think it's a story here that Darius Garland and, 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 um, and gosh, why can't I think of Donovan Mitchell haven't been, you know, they haven't been superstars. Uh, you know, you expect Donovan Mitchell to be, you know, just a scoring machine and Darius Garland went four for, you know, I think like 21, uh, in game three, they just haven't looked fantastic. And the Knicks are getting it from, you know, everywhere. So, I mean, you know, it, it could be Julius Randle. It could be uh, RJ Barrett, Canadian boy, it could be Jalen Brunson. So they're just, they're just, you know, going with depth, grinding away, and, and and they are just playing super defensive basketball, and, and, and they find themselves up 3-1, and, and uh, you know, it's uh, obviously exciting for Knicks fans, because it's been, it's been a long time since we've seen a nice run from, from the New York Knicks. 
Absolutely. I, I just have three things quick on this series uh, before moving forward. Obviously, Nick's up 3-1. That comes for me. I tuned into this full game. R.J. Barrett absolutely stepping up last game. 26 points. He was finishing everything at the rim, contact and all. And that's absolutely massive when a guy like Julius Randle goes 3-for-10 shooting and got benched. And obviously, that's something where you could win a game like they did against Cleveland with Randle getting benched and not being able to perform. That speaks volumes to the depth of this team. They have a guy like Obi Toppin coming off the bench with five offensive rebounds. That completely changed the tide in what was a one-score game, majority of the game. Josh Hart scores 19 points but picks up seven rebounds. He's kind of doing it all for this team, too. Beast. Another energizer kind of guy. Beast. Beast. Yep. And then your leader still remains Jalen Brunson, who's an absolute torch. And this guy could get hot, man. Oh, yeah. So, like. I, I really like what I see from the from this uh, the Knicks team. And Robinson had, had a bunch of offensive rebounds as well, seven or eight. Like they get those ch- second chance opportunities. They play a gritty game. Um, and it, I mean, again, I mean, you can't completely give New York Knicks all the praise. Donovan Mitchell couldn't hit water if he was standing on a boat in yep. the second half of this game. Like that's obviously not going to be something you see every single game going forward, but. Credit to this Knicks team, man, because they showed their depth. They're playing as a team really well. Um, I think they have this series done. I wouldn't. I think Cleveland could grab another game, but I think this series is uh, all but over. I always enjoy. I don't. I shouldn't say enjoy. I'm always just in shock when, say, a guy like Donovan Mitchell is having a tough game, and even like a guy like Steph Curry having a tough game, like. They have the confidence to really shoot from anywhere and to shoot on any yeah. offensive possession. Like they could just pull up at any point in time. And when they're cold, it looks so obnoxious. Donovan Mitchell is yeah. a perfect example. Well, you're watching the Cavs, and this guy is just heaving up brick after brick after brick. And it's just obviously it's not his night, but clearly, you know, it's, uh, you know, with, with a guy has a ceiling of 70 points. You know, you're going to let yeah. him, you know, take his and pick and choose his shots. But it's, it, it's, uh, it looks like a bit of a comedy act uh, when he's having a cold game. But obviously a huge series for the Knicks. They're up. And like you said, I mean, Josh Hart, what an acquisition that was at the deadline. Bringing in the Villanova teammates to join Jalen Brunson. And, and you love seeing uh, R.J. Barrett, who has had a very inconsistent season uh, playing well. Yeah. Uh, let's move out west. The Denver Nuggets. We thought it was going to be a formality of a sweep. Obviously, last night, the Timberwolves get it done. I think this just, just pushes it one more game. They're going to get it done in Denver. Um, obviously, we talked about it last episode about how bullish we are on the Denver Nuggets. They're such a phenomenal team. I think we'll just go quickly here. Is Denver going to get this mm-hmm. done in five? This series is over, isn't it? Yeah, there's there's only two things here. Anthony Edwards basically just won them won them one extra game. Yep. Uh, even when Nuggets go on a 12-0 run at the end of the game to tie it. Honestly, this is Minnesota just bought themselves an extra flight to Denver. Yep. <laughs> That's really what it is. The owner's passed. The owner's you know passed. <laughs> yeah, he's got extra dollars out of his pocket for, yeah. for what? An extra two days. For the PJ. So. For the PJ and hotel. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, hey, credit to, credit to the Nuggets owner. Their team comes home and they get a few extra home tickets purchased. So, I mean, you know what? Everyone, Strategic everyone, business uh, moves. Side, uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. But yeah, one extra game, not much more to say. This Absolutely. series is over. Yeah, and then we move into Golden State, and obviously Sacramento was riding high up up two uh, zero heading into Golden State. Man, Golden State did a lot of things at the end of this game to potentially uh, push this to overtime, but now we're tied two two heading back to Sacramento, and I mean Golden State credit to them. Obviously, found a way to win two games at home, uh, but they're gonna have to get over these road scares if they plan on on moving on in this playoffs. I mean, it's just been an unbelievably terrible scene for the Golden State Warriors on the road this season. And uh, they're going to have to go back into Sacramento, but it is all tied up. And uh, 
I don't know how you feeling about this. Moving back to Sacramento. I'm going to lean Sacramento just because Golden State is terrible on the road. And they've got to find a way to win one on the road, whether it's in game five or game seven to win this series. Uh, how are you feeling about this moving forward? Yeah, so obviously, asking how I'm feeling. I'm, I'm someone who led off this playoff run by calling the Sacramento Kings as the three seeds. I think the word I used was frauds. And I think I used it pretty heavily. Yeah. Um, I was wrong. I was absolutely wrong. I, I you have to you have to soak it. As much as Golden State tied this series up, and before we talk about the, the issues on the road, at home in this game that they just won by one point, they were up by I believe six, eight, ten ish somewhere in that margin, and the Kings storm back, make it a game. Second of all, three players for Golden State scored twenty: Curry, Poole, and Clay. Wiggins has eighteen points whatever, eight rebounds, nine rebounds, what have you. And Looney and Draymond Green were right around a triple-double. Okay. And you won the game by one point. So you got what you needed from every player on your or your starting five or six, and you still only win this game by one where at home where you're – that's where you're dominant at home. That's not – I'm not confident. I am not confident. I'm not confident in the fact that Sacramento wins on the road. They don't get it done in Golden State. Like, I could see that happening where, where Kings get this done in six here. De'Aaron Fox is an absolute menace. Freak. Absolute menace. Unbelievable. 39, 40 points and like 10 and 6, 10 and 5, whatever it is. This guy is t- showing no remorse. I absolutely love it because he just goes, goes, goes. He wants to win. He wants to be a stud. And uh, I'm lean. I'm lean. I think I'm going to have to jump with you and, and lean on Sacramento taking this series because – Golden State have, have a lot of things that they're doing that almost don't show their experience. That's the more, that's the weirdest thing for me. Yeah, this might be a terrible comparison for a lot of NBA fans, but what De'Aaron Fox looks like when he drives, and, and he, he looks like a prime James Harden to me, where it's just like if he chooses to drive the basket, yeah. it's in the hoop. Like he just finds yeah. a way to score, and he's just—they're just such prolific scorers. It's really fun to watch, and it's—it's it's really hard to to stop. But yeah, this is going to be an exciting series. All square, moving to Sacramento. Uh, let's move into the Los Angeles Lakers Memphis Grizzlies series here. Um, obviously, after Game Two, we heard the Dylan Brooks uh, comments. You know, how is he going to back it up? What's LeBron going to respond? Well, Dylan Brooks—he uh, backs it up by getting ejected in the second quarter. Uh, he finds himself hitting the showers early. Uh, the Lakers win Game <laughs> Three at home. Uh, John Morant. I mean, goes bananas and uh, and still can't get it done. Uh, big game four tonight. How are you feeling about this? I mean, you were on the Lakers. I was on the Grizzlies. I'm feeling good about your Lakers picks. Yeah. Uh, your your Lakers pick, uh, obviously a huge game uh, game three win at uh, at home. Can they get it and, and pretty much put the uh, put them on the brink uh, here tonight? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you know, and you know, the Dylan Brooks thing, he gets kicked out. <laughs> But he's talking all that smack to LeBron. And you know what? You're going to shoot three for 13 before you get kicked <laughs> out. And then you're going you're gonna to be swinging at a man's grundle. It's just unbelievable that this guy has the audacity to say a word to a guy like LeBron. Like, I feel like this is something we could see with a guy like Draymond Green and Dylan Brooks. Yeah. But you're doing this against LeBron. And you know what? Maybe, maybe the Gri- Grizzlies said to themselves, hey, we need you to try to throw LeBron off. But it's never worked. It's yeah. never worked. Like, Lance Stevenson, these guys, like it's been done before. And it get, gives LeBron more fire yep. to just go at you guys. So it, it's something where 
like I said, I said it with the Atlanta series. You have, you have Morant scoring forty plus with double digit assists, and you're losing games. Like it's it's going to be tough. And, and Lakers, but then again, Lakers like record first quarter, thirty five nine. They won that first quarter, but they only win by ten points. It could have been just something where it's they were up so much that hey, Grizzlies trickled back in. I I, I wasn't really concerned most of the game about it, but um, yeah, I think Lakers get this series done. Um, but who knows? Maybe this is a back and forth series that, that just ends up going one, 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 and, and it, it stretches longer than we think. Like, what are the comparisons of other sports? Like, I, I feel like so obviously, like maybe somebody just chirping the wheels off Sidney Crosby would be a comparison <laughs> yeah. in hockey, and then in the NFL, like you know, you'd have to say like maybe Patrick Mahomes or Tom, like Tom Brady, maybe like as he was yeah. playing, like somebody just getting it into it with Tom. Like, I, I know Tom's like the renowned goat and LeBron, you know, there's a, yeah. there's an argument that you can make, but it's just, it seems just so outrageous to me that the greatest player in that sport currently is just getting trashed by this guy and not, it's not really being blown out of proportion. Like I think if that happened in other sports, there'd be way more attention being like, what the F is this guy going on about? This is that's Sidney Crosby. That's Tom Brady. That's LeBron James. You're talking about. I don't need to respect that guy. Is this mine? It's like what? I I think you're right. I think maybe the comparison for hockey is Tom Wilson going at Sidney Crosby, maybe in that Washington Penguins rivalry, where where Sid's just obviously way more dominant. But I think you're absolutely right. Where there's there's attention to this in the media, but it's also not something where people are freaking out because he's not he's not backing it up. He's shooting three for 13. Like he's making himself look like a clown doing this. Where if this was something where Morant or like a Trey Young did with the Knicks last year, he's the one going at the LeBron and then he's dropping 45 and winning. Like that's something. But it's, oh, oh, okay. uh, Brooksy, relax with the comments. 13, bud, you got kicked out again. Like what are we doing? Like at this point, anything he says moving forward just. It almost becomes annoying, I think, for most most of the media and fans. Well, it's like Dylan, zero all star appearances, zero all all team, <laughs> zero rings, zero like you got goose eggs, you got donuts across the board statistically in every meaningful fool. And then you look at LeBron, and he's got the full package of hardware in his truck. Like, <laughs> take it easy, take a step back. Anyway, it's a bit ridiculous. Uh, just finally here in the NBA before we move into the halftime show here, Justin. So the Phoenix Suns, obviously, the Clippers are. They're dealing with no Kawhi Leonard, no Paul uh, Paul George. I mean, when you're rolling out that lineup with all your two superstars, it's going to be challenging. The Phoenix Suns up 3-1. Uh, it's pretty much a formality at this point. The Suns are moving on. Uh, and I think we'll look back at just Kawhi Leonard can't stay healthy. And, uh, and, and Paul yeah. George being out, I mean, that's just a huge shout out to your roster. And I think that would have been uh, both rosters fully healthy. That would have been a hell of a series. Yeah. And... And I just want to bring this up quick. Maybe we'll, I'll throw it in the chalkboard app. Again, people get in the chalkboard app, have these conversations with us and, and, the, and the listeners. Um, talking about these injuries with Kawhi, Paul George. In the Knicks game, Van Gundy on the on the broadcast brought up a stat. He said it himself in the game. He goes, I think, I think the numbers were six NBA players have played all 82 games in, in this NBA season. 116 NHL players have played all 82 games in the NHL. And the question I ask isn't to take one league down, whatever. What can the, what can the NBA do? Maybe scheduling, maybe the amount of games, maybe playoff just like lengths. Well, like what? I don't know. Maybe start the season earlier so it's longer. There's more like what can they do to get more guys playing more games? Like that's what I want to know because I know they changed the rule for the NBA awards where you have to play a certain amount of sixty-five teams games. 
Yeah. Yeah. But what if you're like, what about these guys who aren't going to be in any of these award races? Like what if, what if, um, uh, Steph Curry just isn't in the top three for, for MVP at all-star break. And he knows that, but he's still obviously a phenomenal player, but you, you just, sometimes, you know, right? Like Jokic and beat whatever. He no longer has that incentive to play 65 games yep. and he could be sitting out five of the last games because his team's like, we'll have the conversation, maybe the chalkboard people get in the chalkboard, uh, uh for more, but, this, yeah, there isn't much to say here. Book and KD took off just 30 points each. Uh, unbelievable. And you're not going to stop that without uh, Kawhi and Paul George. So, again, this is a matter for the Suns. Get this done as quick as you can. Get that rest and be ready to go up against the Nuggets team. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that I love that stat, too. That, that'll that be on socials. We'll, we'll pose that clip. I mean, how, like... I mean, clearly we know that uh, hockey players are a little bit more durable. You know, maybe play through a little bit more. Yeah. But I think as an NBA, I mean, that is... Definitely the biggest issue right now is getting their superstars. And, it, and it's not only, you know, for, you know, teams and, and their success. I mean, the fans, it, you know, the people that are paying yeah. hundreds of dollars to go watch these superstars sit on the bench. It's just a little ridiculous. Uh, but obviously that's a lot to get into with the NHL and NBA being in their first. Uh, we've got 16 series to talk about and it's just, uh, you know, it's a lot going on. So. Obviously, the first half of these episodes are going to be long, but let's get into the halftime show, and then obviously we'll buzz through the uh, the MLB. We've got a bit, a little bit of a miscellaneous quarter with just a, a, some briefing out of the PGA Tour, LPGA, UFC, and then just obviously there was some boxing fights on the weekend, uh, or one in particular. But uh, let's move into the halftime show, Justin. It is who holds the record. So obviously the listeners can play along with this one. I'm starting things off here, and I'm going to send you who has the most touchdown receptions in NFL history. Most touchdown receptions, NFL history. Wow. I'm going to go with, is it the goat Jerry Rice? Bang. Yep. Jerry Rice. That's one for one. Come on. That's one for one. Come okay, on we're now. moving on. Who has the most hits in MLB history? Pete Rose. Pete Rose. Bam. Come on. Bam. That's light work. The guy's not in the MLB Hall of Fame joke anyway all right moving on i know he was a gambler but he never gambled on the red so uh allegedly uh anyway this one's <laughs> going to be interesting here most dunks in nba history most dunks in nba history i'm gonna go with lebron for how long he's been in the league nope big man in the middle maybe Shaq. number two most dunks all time do I got to go older than Shaq or no? No, younger than Shaq. Shaq, most dunks all time. He's playing in Taiwan. He's playing in Taiwan currently. <laughs> it's not, no, no, don't, it's not DeAndre Jordan. No. It's in Taiwan right now. Tell me it. Yeah, I, I, got, I got nothing. I'll give you another hint. Superman. Dwight Howard. Dwight Howard. <laughs> oh, Dwight Howard in Taiwan. Most, he, I mean, he was the man in Orlando. Oh, 100%, man. He could throw it down. Uh, but yeah, I was real. super surprised it wasn't Shaq when I looked that up. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I was going with Shaq all day long. Unreal. All right, I got three for you. Okay. And uh, mine, I got two NHL here with NHL playoffs going on. So yep. here we go. All right, career overtime goals. Wow, in the playoffs or just total? No, total, total. Wayne. Gordy Howe. A lot younger. A lot younger. Sidney Crosby. Second. He's second. 
Still young, like same age. Right era, right era. Right era. Wow. Um, overtime goals. Um, gosh, Zetterberg, Datsuk. Ovechkin. Ovechkin. I love it. I love it. That's, that's, I probably shouldn't have known that, but all right. All right, here we go. Career shootout goals leader, NHL. Career shootout goals. Uh, I wonder um, how long have they been doing the shootout? I'll go Datsuk. Nope, but that's it's a good it's a good one. Good uh, guess, okay, uh, so obviously they've been it's it's like a recent more modern, obviously yeah. more modern. Yeah, um, gosh, who's just been money in the shootout? Um, am I gonna? Do I know this? Like, do is he a superstar? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, um, he's a superstar. I'd say. Hmm. Uh, borderline, maybe, but. Kuznetsov. Nope. <laughs> Shootout leader in goals. Uh, I'll go one more guess here. Um, yeah. Give me, give me the division. He's in the West, but he won't be next year. He'll be done playing. He's in the West. He's going to be done playing. Wow. Kopitar? No. John, Johnny T, the captain, Taze. Wow, that's a good hint too. That's a whiff, Jonathan Taves. Most shootouts. That I mean, he was a freak. What in one of the Olympics or it was at the World Juniors where he just they kept rolling him. World Juniors, he went three in a row. I want to say, unreal, unreal. Wow. All right, I got one more question, one more record for you. Let's do it. We're gonna outside LeBron. LeBron's one for yeah. obvious reasons, longevity. But what single NBA player has the most playoff wins? <laughs> Wow, it's a good question. Um, Tim Duncan. He's he's three. So Bill LeBron, Russell, the guy. No. Hmm. It's a uh, good guess, but I think they played less games in each series, right? True. Okay. Um, uh, Kobe. This guy played with them. Uh, okay, Shaq. No, they played the, again on this team. Uh, One more, maybe. Fisher? Derek Fisher, Fisher. There you go. Let's go. 161 wins. Derek Fisher. That's insane. Crazy. That's a big yeah. guess, though. Uh, um, uh, wow. Okay. Well, there it is. Records at the halftime show. Um, that's a good, fun one. Little trivia action for you guys. Well, let's move into quarter three here uh, in the MLB, Justin. Uh, yeah. Fernando Tatis Jr. Finally back after a long layoff, his big suspension uh, has looked okay, we'll say. Uh, you know, yep. he, he he's hit a dinger. I think he's played four games, but he did kind of get, uh, you know, back in action against the Diamondbacks, who, don't get me wrong, have played well. Um, have What have you seen from Fernandez Atis? I think the Padres are going to be a handful now because, you know, you've got uh, yep. Bogarts playing at a high level. Uh, I mean, this team is just juice. So I, I'm expecting them yep. to go on a little bit of a heater through these next 20, 30 games and, and uh, to really, uh, you know, take uh, take a lead in this uh, NL West. But, you know, nice to see him back in the lineup. No, I agree. I mean, I like it. I mean, uh, that one where he, uh, against the Astros, he shook off that, that pitch inside, went yard. I mean, He's gonna be he's gonna be a problem. I mean, like I said, I wanted to see how he looked, um, and it was the normal stuff of obviously coming in, working him back into the lineup. But uh, he's gonna that Padres team is gonna be coming. 
And, yeah. and, and that was expected. This is a team that, if fully healthy, was always going to be one of the best rosters. So um, expect them to be in action late. Obviously, Tatis is going to have a long year and a lot of games to be ready for playoffs. And that's all that really matters in the MLB when you have a talented roster like this. So, yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, he's uh, he's good for the game. I mean, obviously, broke the rules, got suspended. Obviously, not not a big fan of that stuff. But he's good for the game. Another electric player back in lineups on a top team. So it couldn't be a, it can't be a bad thing for the MLB to have this guy swinging the bat again. Hundred percent. And I did want to note 24, 24 years ago last week. Yeah. Fernando Tatis, his father, two grand slams in the same inning. Are you kidding me? Like I don't even know how that happens. But what an incredible stat. Uh, so Fernando Tatis was in the media and obviously Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, you know, he, yeah. uh, he's, he's back in action. Interesting story here, Drew Maggie. And this is a, this is a nice story for, you know, if you're ever attempting to achieve something in life, or if you have a dream, don't quit, don't stop chasing it because Drew Maggie, third baseman was drafted in 2010 by the Pittsburgh Pirates has played 13 years in the minors, bouncing around, grinding away and finally, in 2023, after being drafted in 2010, will make he'll be dressing for the big club in in Pittsburgh. So I'm not sure what type of action we'll see out of Drew Maggie, but incredible story there, Justin. Just just a great uh, a great uh, testament to his perseverance. I mean, I'm I'm rooting for him to, to get in that bat and to uh, to show his stuff in the bigs. No, absolutely. I mean, insane. 33 years old, like that's unbelievable that he stuck with it for so long. You don't see that very often. So good for him and. You know what? I mean, this could be a good quick pivot. We got, I think we do to talk about the Pirates 16 7, seven game win streak. Like, this is a team that I did not have being at the top of any standings. Um, they obviously struggled in years past. So, they got some think good things going for them. Obviously, a good story like that as well. Um, I wonder how much this guy's going to step into the lineup with a roster that's actually humming right now. So, that's a bit interesting too. So, um, yeah, Pirates. We'll see if you guys can hang on. If there's any Pirates fans listening, uh, uh, let us know what you think if, if this is just a hot start or not. But uh, interesting to say the least. Um, I, I hate to do this to the Pirates fans and the listeners, but <laughs> so so Justin, in, in the past that so we did it with the Utah Jazz earlier this year in the NBA when they were at the stop of the, the top of the Western Conference standings. So it's called an FU tour. So where we kind of take a peek <laughs> at their schedule and we bet money line bets or spread bets against them for ten straight games. And I'm starting to get I'm starting to get an FU tour vibe from the from the Pittsburgh Pirates, but we'll wait and see. I think uh, Archer dropped that like May fourth. Their schedule kind of starts to tighten up, so May fourth might be the puck drop of an FU tour of yeah. the Pittsburgh Pirates. But that's uh, we'll wait on that to announce that. Um, well, hey, to back to back you up here, who they've beaten in the seven game series have been have been series against the Reds and the Rockies. First of all. They have multiple wins against Cardinals and, and Red Sox here. So, you know what? I mean, I don't think that's, that's going to be a bad decision to maybe be on the other side of them and, and expect them to come back down to earth. I think that's definitely what's going to happen. For sure. So, we'll we'll, uh, we'll keep you guys noted with when we're going to hop on the FU Tour. But uh, the Rangers, outfielder, Adolis yeah. Garcia becomes the fourth player in the history of the MLB or the ALNL um, uh, era to hit three home runs and two doubles in the same game. I was looking through the names. I didn't know one of them, but the other two names, Chris Bryan and Matt Carpenter. So some big names in the, wow. in the, in the recency, uh, in, in the recent history of the MLB to hit three home runs and two doubles in the game. But that's exciting for the outfielder uh, on the Texas Rangers, Adolis Garcia, three dingers and two doubles in a game. Talk about feeling it. 
Absolutely. I mean, this guy, absolutely loving it for the stats this early in the year. Damn, games like that put you in such a good position. But, um, yeah, they were bombs, too. RBIs were, were up to, I think, eight in that game, something yeah. like that, um, which is just phenomenal. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 this Rangers team's good. This Rangers team's good. And DeGrom had an absolute showing yes, last he did. year with 11 strikeouts. Like, this Rangers team, man, it, I don't. We talk about the Pirates. I don't think this team is one that you could uh, fade for too much because I think that they, I think they could be up there. I'm not. I'm not sure they're going to be uh, sitting one and two very long, but I think they could have a, a playoff appearance for sure. And Degrom really silenced the media because he the game his start prior he left after four innings with a sore elbow, and you're like, oh no, here we go because obviously he missed the majority yeah. of last season. But he comes back and like yeah. you said, 11 Ks just shut out baseball, so he looked really good. Uh, so the Rangers yeah. are loving it right now. Uh, the Jays hand the New York Yankees their first series loss of the season. Obviously exciting for Jays fans, uh, and it, it goes kind of hand-in-hand. Hand. If you like the Jays, you probably don't like the New York Yankees. Um, obviously, uh, Guerrero Jr. had a great series. Uh, but Dale East right now is an absolute bloodbath. Every single team right now above 500. You've got the Rays who just don't seem to, they can't lose at home. They haven't lost at home. They're 13-0 at home right now, uh, which is obviously just a record-setting team right now. You've got the Baltimore Orioles once again surprising people. Like, what are these guys all about? Are they going to come back to Earth? Well, they didn't really until the end of the year last year, so it's going to be yeah. just a long, long season for the SAL East because it looks like all teams just know how to win ball games. I think it will sort things out as the season progresses, but right now, it is a bloodbath right now in the AL East. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look at, okay, so you got Rays and Orioles at the top. They're on five-game win streak and six-game win streak. <laughs> Their run differential for the Rays are still plus 88, which is absolutely <laughs> insanity. Yep. But this division, like, Jays are third record. They're the only ones with a with a negative run differential. Like, this whole, the, the Red Sox have a plus 11 uh, run differential. The Yankees have a plus 20-something. Like, this is going to be insane. I mean, it could be a situation where every team is is like bottom two at, at some point, and every team might honestly find themselves top two at some point, as this is just going to keep flowing uh, up and down the standings here based on who they play. Um, the, I mean, the one thing that's exciting for the AL East for the rest of the year is more than any other year, divisional series are going to be massive. It's going to be absolutely huge every time they play each other because they seem to be beating the other teams if all the uh, if, if these stay consistent. So um, that'll be electric. Jays won the series two one against the Yankees. Love to see it. Guerrero obviously um, with the big the big home runs there. And um, I look at the standings in the AL. <laughs> Chapman still and Bichette and Guerrero are all over all the hitting hitting leaders for top five, which is absolutely insane. So. Um, you got you again. I think you still feel good, obviously, as a Jays fan, where where you are. It's so early, but um, this is going to be a dogfight. This is really, and Orioles will be a problem if they actually stay in this playoff hunt for for teams like the Jays and Yankees. Absolutely. Oh man, it's it's exciting right now for uh, for AL East fans, which we both are, and and uh, we're excited for the move forward. Like you said, I mean, all of these series when we get, you know, Jays, uh, Jays, Red Sox. Yankees, Red Sox, Yankees, Jays. It's, I mean, whenever you get the combination yeah. of those five teams, it's going to be an exciting baseball series to watch. Very meaningful. Uh, just finally in the MLB, Justin, uh, in the pre-MLB kind of, um, uh, I'll say, uh, you know, projection show or, or preview show, I was all over Pete Alonso to win the home run race. Obviously, this guy knows yeah. how to mash baseballs. He's got 10 home runs through his first 22 games. And I know Max Muncy on the uh, Dodgers has 11. 
But is there any chance that Pete Alonso, who we know mashes baseballs, can he hit that 60 number? Like, can he chase down Judge's season from last year? Because I'm kind of feeling like this is, if there's one guy to kind of get in the mix, it could be a guy like Pete Alonso, who, like I said, was what th- third last year in home runs with 40-some. And this yeah, year, been up there for a while. off to a 10 home run start in 20 games. I mean, come on now. I mean, honestly, it, it's it's hard to say. Okay, I, where I think I would stand right now, um, I think he could absolutely lead the AL in home runs. I don't. I think that was would have been a smart pick from the beginning, like you said, um, and I think that it remains a smart pick still. The, my issue with him chasing down sixty with Judge, Judge just got there at that end of the season last year, and he got sixty two, whatever. And he plays in Yankee Stadium every home game. Yeah. And that's the friendliest home run. So, like, for me, that's a bit of a concern. I'll say this. If P. Alonso hits 60, that's a way more impressive season than Judge had last year. Because where he's doing it is absolutely a factor. It yep. is in the MLB. Um, but, yeah, if this guy stays healthy, Pete Alonso has shown for the last few years, like, this this is possible out of him. And, and he's getting older, more experienced. So, like, yeah, we're hitting a peak here for the guy, and th- this would be in that peak and and of what he's capable of doing. I think he leads the league in. in I think he leads on home runs right now. He's that's what he's showing. I don't think that's crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I was all over that preseason, but as as uh, as we get into it, the marathon continues. We'll have more news uh, for you on the MLB front uh, on Friday. Uh, but let's move into quarter four here, Justin. We got a lot of just kind of little headlines to go over. Obviously, it was the Zurich Classic this week on the PGA Tour, which, in all honesty, is a bit of a week off. Uh, you know, we had the Masters, we had the RBC Heritage. It was a lot of golf and a few kind of congested week, and then we get the Zurich Classic where it's a team event. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be completely honest. I watched zero. And I'm usually a huge golf guy. Uh, with the NBA and NHL playoffs, I didn't even check in on the golf. Uh, Nick Hardy, a rookie on tour, and Davis Riley, a sophomore on tour. That duo gets it done. They beat Canadian duo Hadwin and Nick Taylor. So congrats to those guys. Uh, didn't check in on it much, but it, like I said, it's kind of a filler event where it's a different uh, style of golf, and and uh, they get guys to team up. So you know, congrats to to Hardy and Riley there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there wasn't a ton of, uh, of massive names there uh, at the top, but yeah, you're great, great to get a win. Obviously, good for good for golf to, to get some uh, new winners in, in whatever events we have. It doesn't it don't really matter. I like the team events though. Team events are pretty uh, electric. Lots of times, I like that they. They're adding them in. They're leaning into it, so it's pretty good. Absolutely, and actually, uh, later on this year, we'll have a LPGA PGA Tour event where the women will team up with the men, so I'm really looking forward to that. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, the LPGA had their first major this week, the Chevron Championship. Uh, Lilia View Lilia View wins her first major, American, 25-year-old American. But the big question for us was, obviously, we knew the tradition. Was she going to jump in the water? And the answer is yes. She jumped in the water with her caddy. I'm proud of her. Obviously, fresh water. There's gators. There's some There's some exotic animals in that, in that body of water. But she said, fuck it, and jumped in, and I love it. You know what? It, you win a tournament. Maybe you don't have that mindset of, of what could go wrong. You're just on the high of winning, and, and you go right in for it. So, yeah. Good for her. You love to see the tradition continue. That's actually so electric. Yeah, I was fired up when I saw that she she jumped in. So uh, congrats to her. (laughs) 
Um, obviously, Brooke Henderson, our Canadian girl, my favorite uh, LPGA golfer, was kind of in the mix after day two, but really struggled over the weekend there uh, at the Chevron Championship. Uh, just some big UFC announcements. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of fights coming, but uh, there's a fight coming to Canada uh, in, in Vancouver, obviously. Uh, there'll be two massive fights. We'll have Charles Oliveira uh, fighting, um, oh gosh, I forget his name, Balil, uh, another contender, uh, which will be really, really exciting there. And Amanda Nunez will fight uh, as well in Canada. So that's exciting. So we got some big UFC fights around the corner. Um, Justin, it's been a pleasure, my man. We got lots of hockey and basketball to catch up on this week. Uh, everybody, make sure you're in the chalkboard app. Make sure you're subbed to the YouTube. Make sure you're on all the social pages. And something that's very important for Justin and eyes, make sure you leave a five-star review on iTunes and Spotify, wherever you're listening to the podcast on YouTube. Share with it with some friends, and, and uh, let's keep plugging along here. Love it. Great to have another episode. Let's go playoff sports. It's going to be another pack. So make sure you tune in. Get in the chalkboard app and talk to us during every game. Fire up, Greg. Let's go.